0: This season is not over yet. North Carolina can still make the NCAA tournament. But to do so, they need to, dare I say it, channel Jim Valvano in the 1983 NC State Wolfpack team? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, February 17th, 2023. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on the show, we're going to get ready and previewed for the game at NC State on Sunday. I cannot stress the importance of that game. Unpack Carolina women's team who played at NC State also on Thursday and get you ready for the weekend as well. But first... Isaac, how? D- what on earth are you suggesting to us that the Tar Heels, a ad- ad- channel the '83 Wolfpack? How dare you, sir? Stay with me. I promise it's going to make sense. Let me unpack what I'm talking about. The 1982-83 Wolfpack entered the ACC tournament with a 17 overall record and an 8-6 conference ACC record they finished ACC play fourth but out of just the eight teams that were in the conference in that point as you probably are aware and remember Jim Valvano's team went on to win the ACC tournament knocking off Wake Forest North Carolina and Virginia winning those games by one over Wake overtime over Carolina and just by three points over Ralph Sampson's Virginia team And then as a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament, they beat Pepperdine by two, number six, UNLV by one, Utah by 19, the lone blowout, Virginia again by one, number 18, Georgia by seven, and then number one in the nation, Houston, in the national championship game by two. All these crazy close calls. So Isaac, why on earth are you bringing up this team and suggesting that Carolina needs to channel them? I've got three things for you. Legitimately, I think these are things that North Carolina could do that would help them in this final five-game regular season stretch. Here we go. Here's the first thing. Do you remember the mantra of that team? Three words. Survive and advance, at least in the postseason there. And that's what they did. That's exactly what Carolina needs to do now. NC State wasn't winning big outside of that, that blowout over Utah, they were barely getting by. They were doing exactly what they said they wanted to do, survive and advance. And that's all Carolina has to do. Five games. You don't have to win pretty. You don't have to blow teams out. You just have to win. We've talked so much up this week in particular about what Carolina needs to do from a basketball standpoint, scheme, personnel, defensive adjustments, offensive adjustments. I want to talk right now about mindset, about philosophy, about psychology. Carolina has five games left, and frankly, to me, you probably agree with this. Let me know uh, what you think Carolina needs to do down the stretch, not, not even including the ACC tournament. Um, and they need to win all five of these games. By the way, if you haven't looked back at the schedule, you know how many five-game winning streaks they've had this season? Exactly one. And that was the stretch that began the season against UNC, Wilmington, Charleston, Gardner, Webb, James Madison, and Portland. Not exactly the murderer's row that they'll face in this five game stretch to close the season. Listen to this. You probably have it in your head, but it's at NC state at Notre Dame versus Virginia at Florida state and versus Duke. So that's three of five on the road. The two home games are Virginia and Duke that that's a little bit different than that earlier five game winning streak. So, wh- what does all this mean? Psychologically, for me, Carolina has to take this one game at a time. You can't look at this big five game stretch and say, All right, we got to go out and win five games. Nope. One game tournaments, one after another, after another, after another. Go out Sunday. NC state one game at a time. Don't look at the big picture. Just take care of what's right in front of you and do whatever you have to do to win that one game. Cause that's all you get at this point. Cause if you lose it, you're done, you're out. And hello, NIT most likely, but perhaps you could even make the funnel smaller or smaller. Yeah. Excuse me. Even, even focusing on one game at a time might be too big. Why? Because we've seen all season long Carolina have these lapses that, that allow a team to either hang around or take a lead. And so perhaps even instead of just focusing on NC State, it's focus on this half, this four-minute stretch between media timeouts. Perhaps focusing on this one play where I have to execute and make the right basketball play. Because that's what this team often struggles with. It's not full-game trends. It's often or full-game turge or other things like that, right? It's just lapses. So Carolina needs to lock in because here's what's cost them a poor shot choice here, a lazy pass there, not getting through a screen hard enough, whatever it is. And in a season where you've lost 10 games and only one of those is by double digits, you better believe that those small misses, those small lapses have added up to a couple of those losses that if you take away just even a couple of them, we're looking at things entirely, entirely different right now. So Number one, the reason I think Carolina needs to channel the 83 Wolfpack, survive and advance. One game at a time, one half at a time, one four-minute stretch at a time, one play at a time. That's the mindset that I think Carolina needs. What do you think? What mindset do you think they need to take into this? Second, the reason I think this team needs to channel the 83 Wolfpack is because of this. (laughs) One of the things that made that run feasible for Jim Valvano's team Was there willingness to try something outside the box? Remember, this is an era where there is no shot clock yet. And so teams are content to just get a lead and hold on to the ball. So that's he, uh, other teams were doing it, but he is typically credited with being the one to really popularize the, the intentional foul, send the team to the free throw line, and then try to catch up. Started doing that in the ACC tournament that year, and then utilized it all the way throughout and more than any time against Houston in the national championship game. And so, um, and, and used it four out of six of those NCAA tournament games. So what I, the reason I say that is because that's what Hubert Davis and staff have to do. What What is the outside of the box thinking they can come up with to help Carolina do what they've not been able to do this season? Coach Davis talked about after the Miami game, we have to do something to create more space for Armando. And so far, regular things haven't been working. So what is something just wild and wacky and crazy outside of the box, like Coach, Valvan- Coach Valvano and what he did to give NC State an opportunity to win when it didn't seem like they could? What can Coach Davis do like that? What is he going to come up with? What is that outside-the-box plan? I think he needs to channel the 83 Wolf Pack to figure that out. And then the third thing I wanted to mention, and this isn't specific to the 83 nc state team but ironically enough this game that carolina has the next one coming up is against that very nc state team which to me is the perfect team for carolina to have to go on the road and play why well not only is it at least in part because it's literally the team that utilized this wild wacky philosophy we're trying to figure out uh talking about this survive in advance but also because the Wolfpack are a team that Carolina has been wildly successful against dating back to the beginning of the Roy Williams era. So Carolina has to capitalize on that. They've won four in a row in this series. They've won nine out of 10 in this series. They've won nine out of the last 10 in Raleigh. They're 36 and five against NC State overall since the Roy Williams era began. So take advantage of this. Use this moment to get right against NC State. I know it's a tough team, but it's a team that Carolina has been winning against, a team that wants to beat the brakes off of Carolina, but go out and do it to them. Also, another part of this is that this is a Q1 opportunity. You are probably well aware that Carolina is currently 0-8 against quad one competition, and the Tar Heels desperately need a quad one win to legitimize their NCAA tournament resume. So, Maybe you think I'm a little bit wacky and wild and crazy for suggesting such a heinous thing, but I hope you see the bigger point is that. Carolina needs to adopt this survivalist mentality. And then as Coach Davis is wanting to has been wanting to create some sort of offense, I think he's got to get outside the box. I'm really curious to see on Sunday what they're going to come up with. I'd love to hear from you too. What do you think the coaching staff is going to put in place to help create that space for Mondo to operate against a big boy like DJ Burns? Well, we do want to get ready specifically for the game itself. We're going to do that with our excuse me, the W2, W4, the what to watch for. And we'll do that in just a second. But first, this game is brought to you, (laughs) this show is brought to you by FanDuel. We're at the midway point of the NBA season and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three pointers drained. I've got Giannis on my fantasy team, and so I've been taking his money line, uh, his player prop points all week long. Unfortunately, he didn't live up to that on Thursday night because he sprained his wrist, but he'll get back on it. Don't you worry. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game. Parlay, So don't miss this chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to Fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, that's Fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Carolina at NC State coming up Sunday, 1 p.m., Eastern time on ESPN. It's a rare Sunday game this year. I think it's the first one uh, Carolina's had at least in conference play. It's been a regular staple this year for the women's team, but not the men. Ken Palm has the line at NC State by three. Keep in mind, NC State is coming off a loss at Syracuse and having lost two of their last three, the other one being at Virginia it's been a tough stretch for the Wolfpack who have played their three last games all on the road. I know they're uh, chomping at the bit to get back home to play in PNC in front of their crowd, especially in this game against Carolina where they're looking for revenge um, for a long stretch of Carolina um, dominating this series, but also, As you well know, particularly because of the events that unfurled the last time these two teams got together. So let me give you my W2, W4, the what to watch for. And number one is precisely what we just talked about. What are these offensive changes that the coaching staff puts in place? Um, Because as we've said, it cannot go on as it's been. And at this point, what do you have to lose? you essentially already don't have the NCAA tournament to lose because it's kind of already lost. So you might as well just throw caution to the wind and go wild. (laughs) It's too late in the season for major uh, scheme shifts. So I don't think we'll see anything like that. If we're thinking like, are you going to see major scheme shifts or personnel differences or what? I don't think, I don't think, I mean, you just, not, I don't think, you can't install major scheme shifts. We might see some subtleties uh, guarding ball screens differently. Um, some different offensive action. Perhaps it's more set plays or fewer set plays. Um, that, that's one of the things that's been a, a bugaboo is teams seemingly able to sniff out and stop whatever sets Carolina's running. So maybe just more freelance action allows uh, them them to get off and going. So I think the the bigger change to watch for is personnel differences. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some outside the box scheme, as we just talked about. In fact, I hope there is but I think you'll probably notice things more prevalently or at least hopefully prevalently. That's what I'm looking forward to um, in terms of personnel differences that might be in the starting lineup, or it just could be a difference in minutes allocation throughout the game. We're certainly going to find out. I think as I've I've pointed out and many others have pointed out, it's the four position, the, the power forward where you need more production. Whether that's Pete or someone else, you just have to get more from that position. Because if you're already um, having defenses sag off of Leakey, you can't afford to have defenses also sag off of Pete or whoever's at the four and sag down on Mondo because that does not allow for that space. And so uh, really curious to see what happens there. Part of this is the bench production. Last time, you might or might not remember this, but in the game in Chapel Hill, Carolina, do you remember how many bench points they have? Any guesses? One. The Tar Heels got one bench point last time the teams met. So uh, I think it's an understatement to say that they need more. In fact, of the 80 points the Tar Heels scored, 65 of them came from the big three of R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and Armando Baycott. And so, I mean, while that's great, you know, your your three studs are showing up and delivering, you need more from the rest of the lineup so that um, teams can't focus in on just those three guys. So it's good in one sense to have that many points from, from Mondo, RJ, and Caleb, but you want to see more diversity uh, because that's how you find success. <laughs> Number two on our what to watch for. Um, Carolina as a team cannot, cannot get drug into making too much of the leaky black terquavion smith situation from last time um i I don't expect either team to do that as you probably are aware leaky and terquavion have have interacted and talked since and, and everything seems to be good terquavion smith was healthy back playing in nc state's very next game in fact thankfully that he wasn't um hurt or injured but you you know you know it's going to be a hostile, more hostile than normal, right? It's always hostile in PNC, all the more so because of what happened last time. And state fans have just been waiting, waiting for this moment. And so Carolina cannot get caught up in that. Uh, We've seen Armando too many times this season have frustration fouls or get caught up in the moment and kind of get outside what he needs to mentally do to stay locked into a game. Carolina cannot allow that to happen fans are going to the players can't do not get caught up in it go about your business play basketball i don't want to see whining to the refs i don't want to sit like make a play don't bark get back on defense as quickly as you can unless you're pressing right that's what carolina has to do number three in the what to watch for uh part of the whole narrative after the last game was the free throw discrepancy the free throw disparity do you remember this NC State had 27 fouls committed, Carolina had 16 fouls committed. So that in and of itself isn't all that wide a gap. It's an, an 11 foul gap and you might say why, you know, I could see state fans and they did say, "Oh, that's inequitable and we didn't get the the fouls." But it's borne out by what both teams have done this year. Carolina draws more fouls than any other team in the ACC. NC State fouls more than any other team in the ACC. So that's bound to happen. But you saw this even wider gap in the actual free throws taken. The Tar Heels attempted 39, while the Wolfpack attempted 12. Woo! 27 more free throws for the Tar Heels. Now again, part of that is because they rely on it, and they need it, and they play that way, while NC State doesn't. But you can bet your bottom dollar that same level of disparity ain't happening on Sunday in Raleigh. It's just different when you're on the road. You often get a different whistle, and there's going to be a heightened awareness of the refs for this. Now, that doesn't mean that Carolina can't and shouldn't attack. It doesn't mean that um, NC State's not going to continue to foul at a high rate as they do. But I just wouldn't expect the same thing that happened in Chapel Hill to happen in this game. Now, UNC should still take more free throws, again, because of playing styles and, and because of um, what both teams do. But, but man, Carolina has to be ready to find different ways to get to the free throw line or different ways to score because they're a team that relies heavily on free throw line production. And if if you're not going to be able to expect it at the same rate as last time, you got to figure out different ways to either get fouled or different ways to score. Now, uh, fourth and finally on our what to watch for is assist percentage. Basically, we're looking when when I say assist percentage, I'm just meaning how how many of Carolina's made baskets their field goals are they assisting on if you're um, been keeping tabs with me or others, you are probably aware that Carolina has not been consistent with this all year as they typically are in a given year, they are comfortably above 50% season long numbers assisting on their made baskets. This season, currently they are sitting at around 44%. And there's been this weird back and forth the last seven games dating back to the last time these two teams met. Listen to this back and forth. Here's the percentage of assist ratio the last seven games. 25%, 76.9%, 26.1%, 50%, 30%, 53.1%, 20.7% against Miami. And so you're looking for a number 50% or above. So literally of the last seven games, it's flip-flopped between under that and over that and wide disparities. The good news is that this means Carolina is clearly due for a a good game in this regard uh, on Sunday in terms of sharing the basketball. However, the last game against NC State was that 25% that I just mentioned, one of the lowest assist rates of the season. Um, And so what I'm looking for, what I'm watching for, is for Carolina to be more crisp, more willing to pass, um, not willing to just settle as it feels like they do as, as defenses have um, floundered their plans, floundered Carolina's offensive plans. The Tar Heels got have to be more insistent on running their action, whatever that is, and getting the ball where it needs to go. Keep it moving. It can't stick because that's what happens. Oh, I can't penetrate. I'm walled off. Oh, I'm, I'm stopped again. Like, no, keep the ball moving. However, let me do say this, and this plays back into the free throw percentage that we talked about. Part of the reason Carolina had a low assist rate last time these two teams met, which was 25%, was because Caleb and RJ attacked downhill, got to the rim all game long. And in fact, drew a combined 14 of those 27 fouls against NC State because they were able to take their uh, defensive, the guy that was defending them off the dribble. And so, a lot of times, that's going to lead to a lower assist rate. So, just keep that in mind. I want to see an, a, an assist rate fifty percent or above. However, if the gameplay is the same as it was last time, you, you very well could see RJ and Caleb getting downhill and attacking. I'd love to see that from a lot from Puff, from Leaky, from Seth, whom Demarco, whomever's in the game in the backcourt. Um, also. Mondo himself drew eight fouls a lot of that was against DJ burns whom he who he is quicker than and so you're looking for that but overall I want to see that assist rate get back up because not for the assist rate itself but because of what it means about how Carolina is operating offensively. All right, big game on Sunday uh, again NC states favored by three Carolina has to win and going all the way back one play at a time. that's how this comes to be survive and advance well coming up unfortunately the women went to Raleigh on Thursday night and they were not able to win so the men are also looking for some revenge for their lady counterparts we're going to give you the four corners recap of that game and my shady stat of the game the heels of the week and a quick recap or a look ahead to what's going on in Carolina athletics this weekend we'll do that in just a second all right, 77-66 overtime loss for the Carolina women in, um, in in Raleigh on Thursday evening. Unfortunately, this a win would have tied Carolina in fourth place with Florida State, Miami, and Louisville in the ACC standings. But because they lost, they dropped below those teams by a game and are instead in seventh place. Just little things here and there make that big a difference. That's why, once again, every play matters. So here's the four corners recap of this game. First, we just got Kayla McPherson is so, so stinking fast with the basketball. Now, as we've talked about, she needs to learn gear. She needs to learn to be able to slow down and when to go, uh, needs to go hang out with Ty Lawson, uh, for, for a a while and and get some tutoring there, um, because he mastered it by his junior year and she's going to get there. Um, but I love how fast she is. But, but you saw it in some of the plays, um, like one of the last couple plays of regulation where almost, almost cost um, Carolina the loss in regulation by just going a little bit too fast um, in that in that final offensive play for the Tar Heels. But man, she's so fast. And there was also a where I got really scared. Um, she came down and was holding the back. I thought at first it was the back of her leg. Thankfully, it was just a cramp. But I was like, oh man, that there's that ACL. So good news there. Uh, Four Corners recap, point number two. Carolina did a great job on the road of just slowly and methodically opening up the lead until it got to the point where it was a double-digit lead for the first time. And as we know, only time. Double-digit lead with six minutes and 31 seconds to go at 52-42. And that's exactly what you need to do on the road. Open up that lead and keep it. And that's exactly what they did over the first 34 and a half minutes of this game. The problem, or 33 and a half minutes, I guess I should say, the problem was that last six and a half minutes and overtime. Because from that moment where Carolina took that 52-42 lead, NC State went on a 35-14 run over the final six and a half minutes of regulation and the five minutes of overtime. That is a bummer. That is indeed a bummer. So Carolina did exactly what they needed to do in, in that first, essentially, seven eighths of the game of regulation. And then it just dropped off from there. And that takes us to four corners recap number three, because Carolina let NC state's pressure get to them. They got sped up. It was enough to allow NC state to claw back in, hang around and eventually tie things up. And I, I thought in that you really, really noticed the absence of Alyssa Utsby and Eva Hodgson, who I thought really would have helped slow things down, calm things down and instead, you know, you've just got some, some freshman mistakes here and there from Paulina Paris and from Kayla McPherson. And it wasn't just them, right? Everyone kind of contributed to that. But I, I just think the, the addition of Utsby and Hodgson, who both once again, missed this game would have really, really helped. And then four corners recap point number four, overtime, uh, Carolina, it was like Carolina was just done. NC State started off overtime on a 7-0 run and didn't look back. And in fact, Carolina didn't score in overtime until there was just 76 seconds left. Yeah, that's right. And so you're just not going to win games like that. That's why Carolina needed to take care of things, slow down, operate the way they needed to down the stretch of the fourth quarter. And that brings us to the shady stat of the game, which kind of tells the tale. In... In the fourth quarter in overtime, NC State scored a whopping 40 points. 40 points in the fourth quarter in overtime combined. That was more than they scored for the first 30 minutes of the game. Quarter one, quarter two, quarter three combined, 37 points. And then they went on to score 40 points over the final 15 minutes of the game. You ain't going to win much like that, especially on the road. And So that is telling to me, and that's the shady stat of the game. Let's move on to our heels of the week, the yay heel of the week and the boo heel of the week. The yay is I want to shout out one more time, the women's tennis team for that fourth straight ITA indoor national championship. They've won six of the last nine of these. And in fact, have been in the championship match all nine of those nine years straight. The lady, uh, the women's tennis team has been in that championship match. Unreal. But particularly what I want to get to is this Fiona Crawley, number one in the nation, number one singles for Carolina. You might recall that on Friday she played in the doubles and then didn't play in the singles and then played the rest of the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, There just hasn't been much information about why, but here's what happened. Fiona Crawley had her wisdom teeth out and something happened with the, the dentist or orthopedic surgeon or whomever it is um, to where the, the, um, the places where you pull the teeth out got infected, and then so she she cannot or just you know isn't able to um, stay out and play singles in that first matchup against Pepperdine, who was a phenomenal tennis team. Thankfully, it didn't cost Carolina, and then Fiona's able to get back out there the rest of the weekend. So, Fiona Crawley, you are our heel of the week for being an absolute baller and still playing in the midst of what must have been insane, insane pain that you were experiencing and then our boo heel of the week is acc refs for bungling that whole thing in the duke virginia game last saturday obviously we never want to see duke win as as carolina folks but not in that way not in unfair officiating uh we've uh unpacked it in other places. If you want more explanation on it, go listen to what I talked about on locked on college basketball on Monday show where we unpacked it more fully. Uh, Just, just bad ACC refs as Carolina folks know, just from the Carolina games alone have been bad, but that was one of the most shockingly bungled things I've ever seen to end regulation. Virginia went on to win in overtime and frankly, uh, Duke should have won this game in regulation with Kyle Filipowski going to the line, just needing to make one of two um, to, to basically seal the win for Duke. Not not at all a fair way for any team to lose. I don't care if it's Duke or Kentucky or whom that that was bad. Very bad. All right. Looking around uh, the the Carolina athletics for the weekend. The women's team is back in action. I should have mentioned uh, hosting Wake Forest on Sunday at 4 So that'll come just uh, an hour or so after the men's team plays other weekend action. Friday is loaded. I'm I don't even have time to list off what all everyone's doing and where, but just know baseball opens hosting Seton hall softballs in action. Wrestling's hosting NC state. It's just the big Carolina state weekend. Men's tennis is participating in their version of the ITA indoors um, in Chicago. That starts today, Friday fencing's in action track. Swimming, gymnastics, and that's all just Friday. Other teams in action whom I haven't mentioned yet. Women's lacrosse on Saturday host number seven Florida. Uh, women's golf on Sunday. Men's lacrosse is at Ohio State on Sunday. It is that time of the year where things are always going on and it's a loaded schedule. You can go check it all out. Who's in action, when, where, who, how, and all of that. Uh, going to be a great, great weekend of Carolina athletes athletics where the Tar Heels, as I asked for, are hopefully going to survive and advance. Well, friends, that does it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. That does it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Thank you so much for tuning in. Just the audience is coming more and more and more. And it's so fun to be able to have these conversations together. I love hearing back from you. Always great comments going on on YouTube. So make sure you tune in there. Speaking of which, We are closing in on 5,000 subscriptions on YouTube. So if you haven't done that yet, I'm going to make a personal ask to you right now to subscribe on YouTube. Help us get to that 5,000 by selection Sunday. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHeels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. You can also send the show an email. Lots of emails coming in all the time. Love it. LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. For your next listen, check out our brand new podcast referenced just a minute ago, Locked on College Basketball. Myself and Andy Patton are the co-hosts. We have on all sorts of great guests from around the landscape of college basketball joining us to help you stay up to speed with what's happening around the nation. It's available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for spending your Friday hanging out with me for about half an hour. I hope it's a great weekend for you. We'll check back in together on Monday after hopefully a Carolina victory over NC State because it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace.